I want to talk to you about a, uh, a trip I took uh, long, long ago in a land far away to a, uh, a place called Seminary. Have you heard of it? It's a place where pastors and missionaries and other people going into Christian work, where they, they go to get trained. And uh, I went there for three years, and it was, bar none, the smartest time of my life. Because it was my job every day, all day, for 10 hours to read the Bible. I'd, I'd read the Bible, and then I'd write, com- read comments so that other people had on that Bible. I'd read the Bible, and then I'd read theological volumes that other people have created that, that capture the themes of the Bible. I'd read the Bible, then I'd read historical archives about the Bible. And we'd, we'd go through that once, we'd go through the, the, the whole Bible a second time, and, and just for fun, we did it a third time, except the third time wasn't in English. Right? Like, it was just... My head was just like so big with, with so much information. I knew so much about God. I know there's, you got to know God with your heart. You got to know God with your soul. But seminaries are so, so good about knowing God with, with your whole mind. And then one day, it all fell apart for me. I, I, I'm not kidding. It just like all came collapsing down because I was reading this line in the Bible here. But because I was good at navigating the rest of the Bible, I knew a similar line on that topic over there. And they didn't say the same thing. So I read this one again and read that one again, read this one again and read that one again. I went back like a hundred times and I could not get these two lines next to each other to say the same thing. It was contradicting itself. I said, this can't be true. And, and, and at that point, if this line isn't true, then how do I know if other lines are true? What if no lines are true? Like, it kind of felt like I was playing this giant game of Jenga, right? And someone ripped, with those two lines, they ripped out two pegs of the bottom set of my Jenga, and there's like no way for it to hold up any longer. Like, why am I spending 10 hours every day for, to, to learn these untruths and spending tens of thousands of dollars for an education on untruths so that one day I can go on to teach other people untruths and misguide their lives. Like, like this, these are the thoughts. This is the crisis that I'm in. And, and by far the most important part was, where does that put me with God himself? This God that I, I thought I knew? This God that I do know that I loved? Is, is that the real God that's there or somehow what's i cooking this up in my imagination the whole time. Now, spoiler alert, I'm still here, <laughs> right? Like, so obviously over time, God and I did sort it out. And there, there was better information than the way I was reading it, and that was part of it. The other part of it is that I need to learn better humility in my reading. Like, after all that learning, 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 you kind of get the impression at some point, I am going to stand over the Bible and the God it represents because I can conquer it with my mind. It's like, no, 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 no. Skippy, you better get back down to where you belong. You're, you're underneath God and the scriptures and get used to being down there. Be humble. We sorted it out. And you want to know what those lines were? Anyone curious? Well, too bad I ain't going to tell you. <laughs> I got my faith crisis. You go find your own, right? Like, we all got to go through this in some fashion. Um, and, and frankly, I have other doubts today. Fresher, newer, more real to me right now. Like, some lines in the Bible that I have a hard time understanding why they're true. Some social issues in the world where I really struggle on, on, on bringing faith into it and how Jesus makes a difference there. I, 
Jesus and I have some doubts between each other. And what does that do to me? Do I no longer get to wear the, the label of disciple? Like, am I not really walking with him and am I really not like him if I have a doubt? Does it mean I need to set this microphone down and, and, and walk away from it? Like, should I not be teaching other people and guiding them in the things of God if I have a couple of doubts out there for myself? You got an answer? Like, it, these are big questions. And I think these questions get more personal. Like, what happens when you are the one who is sitting on top of a doubt? What does that do to where you're at with, with God? Uh, we, we've been talking uh, uh, along this theme of uh, pave, pave the way. It's coming out of looking at a very important character in our, scripture. it's, in our scriptures. It's the cousin of Jesus. His name was John. His title was the Baptist. And he was prophesied 600 years ahead of time that there would be a predecessor to set up everything that God had for us inside of Christ Jesus. Very important central figure, and he's described as the one paving the way. The one who would get a clear, straight, smooth line, like that fresh strip of asphalt that you can smell here in Wisconsin during construction season. John's job was to lay that towards Jesus. He was a, he was a gnarly sort of character. Uh, like, if you look at the description here in Mark chapter 1, John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. So you're supposed to picture this guy who's exposed to elements night and day for years at this point. He eats whatever crawls in front of him. He, someone's, someone had a camel at one point, and he decided, that's what I'm going to use for clothing. He never got to cut his hair. He was under a Nazarite vow, which means you never got to cut your hair or drink a glass of wine. If anyone ever needed a glass of wine, it was, it was John here, right? He was just this wild-looking character out there in the wilderness, and it was his job to pave the way to Jesus with one message and one message only, repent. Wherever you're going and think you have gotten right, or you're wondering if you've gotten it right, let me just tell you right now, you have gotten it wrong. So turn, do a 180-degree U-turn on that direction, and point yourself back in the direction of Jesus. Admit that you are wrong Believe that Jesus is the one who's going to get it right. Commit your life to following him. That's how John paved the way. But I really want to be clear on just how well John was clear. All right, at the beginning of Mark, this prophecy from Isaiah, John knew full well he was the one fulfilling that prophecy. This was his role. He understood himself in this relation to God. He was equally, if not more clear, that Jesus was the one he was pointing people towards. It's, it's not some mythical character that's going to happen someday, any day. He says in John 1, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, he's the one who takes the sin of the way, sins of the world. This is the one, not a one, not someday someone, but this is the one I meant when I said, A man comes after me who has surpassed me because he was before me. John's clear on who John is. John's clear on who Jesus is. Until you get to the last page of the guy's life, he's in prison. His head's about to be cut off. And it says in Luke 7, John's disciples told him about all these things, that is, the stories of Jesus and what Jesus is doing. He calls two of them, and he sends them to the Lord Jesus to ask, are you the one who is to come, 
Or should we expect someone else? Should we expect someone besides you, Jesus? John had his doubts. That just really like, like, like rocks my boat because no one, no one was more clear of who his self was in relation to who God was and who Jesus was and was so sure about it that he's been leading thousands of people in the direction towards Jesus saying, this is the one thing you got to get right. Turn from your other direction, point it towards Jesus. At the very end, he's doubting, wondering if I'm supposed to be looking for somebody else. And the fact is, he's, he's not a one-off. This is all over our scriptures. Uh, one of Jesus' 12 besties, Thomas. He, we call him Thomas the what? Doubting. And the fact is, the other 11 weren't any better. Were they? Like over Easter this year, I pointed out six times that the 12 disciples doubted the central message of Jesus dying on a cross and being resurrected. Six times. The closest 12 doubted. Guy like Moses, super, super central in the story of God. He doubts that God cares about him or anybody for that matter. You got Gideon who doubts the, the battle plan that God hands him. Jonah that doubts the mercy and the mission of God. Jeremiah that doubts that he can handle the plan of God. And you got a guy named David who's got a man after God's own heart that in that moment he doubts that like between keeping my heart with God or the naked woman in front of me, he's like, up. I'm going to choose adultery today. Like, that's a form of doubt. Say that God's not even big enough for my heart right now. I mean, go through the whole scriptures and point out to me the characters of faith that in some way, either at the beginning, the middle, or the end, did not have a serious encounter with doubt. I'm not sure you're going to find one. And so from where I'm standing today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a jump, and this is going to be me just postulating, make a presumption, all right? Because I, I don't actually know many of you well, and I don't know your story, and I don't know your heart. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say if, if all the biggest heroes of faith in our Bible had doubts, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that you do too. Fair? Not fair? I'm just... I'm, and just presuming jumping into other people's life. And I, and I feel like what, what I really want to get to today is that instead of all of us trying to conceal our doubts, like we got some kind of dirty secret that we can't let out, that somehow this disqualifies us from, from following God, and that, that we don't get to be close to Jesus or start our faith in Jesus until every single doubt is cleared up. I want us to just acknowledge them and, and move through them, that that doubts do not have to be a wall that boxes you in. Doubts are more like a hurdle that, that you keep making your way through. So uh, what I'm going to do, and this is why we got you at tables today, is I'm going to give you eight minutes to talk it out. If you are willing to be honest in a comfortable environment of other people that, that care about Jesus as well, would you be willing to put one of your most current doubts on the table? Maybe it's a doubt that this part of the Bible is really true. Maybe it's a doubt that this character attribute of God that you've heard about, that 
And maybe that's not true because your experience is different. Maybe it's a doubt that God's able to handle certain social issues in our world today. Maybe it's a doubt uh, that, that faith and science can go together. Maybe it's a doubt of just logic and reason of like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't resonate with me is the words that keep coming out of you. Maybe it's a doubt caused by pain. Like, how can a good God be behind the hurts that I've had in my life? Maybe there's just doubts of disappointment. Of like, you wanted to believe the, the biggest and the best of God. And instead, what you keep running into is smaller and lesser. If you'd be willing, I just feel like there's going to be a constructive mile marker that is reached. If we can say, it is all right for me to be known as a disciple of Jesus who also has this doubt in my life, there's so much more we could build on if we as a faith community could get that far together. So I'm going to give you some time to do that, uh, but let me uh, make sure you know there, there are some ground rules to this, okay? Uh, all, all of your tables have some kind of table leader there that's going to hold you accountable to these rules, so get ready. Nobody gets to fix anyone else's doubts. That's not the point of the exercises today. They ask a million-dollar question, you don't get to slide in your 10-cent answer, okay? They get to express what the doubt is, and it's your job to say, thank you for sharing. Or maybe you could go so far as to say, I can relate to that as well. But no one fixes anyone today. And secondly, uh, confidentiality, right? That other person's doubt is their doubts. It's not yours. Therefore, you don't get to share it to anyone. What, what is said at the table has to stay at the table. And I would like to trust a bunch of functioning adults and the children that they have brought into the world to follow those two rules. Eight minutes, bunch of fun at the tables. Put one of those doubts out there to share with each other. I'm really cur curious about talking in the hallway afterwards to hear uh, whether that worked or uh, whether that was too big a question for... The strangers you were sitting next to, I hope they are not strangers anymore. That's, that's part of it, that we open our journeys to each other. So here's a question I want to ask you in follow-up, all right? If, if, if doubt is like a hurdle, what are you supposed to do with hurdles when you come up to one? What's the point of a hurdle? You jump it. You, you, you clear it. You get, you get over it, Right? And if you, if you look at life around you, like if you look at a really good hurdle race, the, the, the person running it, they're, they're going to have a, a, a bunch of hurdles behind them, a bunch of hurdles in front of them, but it doesn't keep them from moving forward. And, and that's the picture of where our doubts are, are really supposed to get us. I know some of you right now are thinking like, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to believe in God's love and the person of who his son is, but I still have doubts. Therefore, I'm stuck. Therefore, I cannot start what I have with God because I got to get over my doubts first. It's just not true. And, and, and same thing if you're the person who's been running for a while and you get to a hurdle and you feel like this hurdle is stopping all the growth I've ever had with God. It's, it's a hurdle. It's not a wall. You do need to acknowledge that it's there. It is a real hurdle in front of you, but you also got to get over it. Because you're going to run into so many. Hurdles are going to happen when you go through pain. Hurdles of doubt are going to happen when you read a certain part of the Bible and you find it unagreeable. 
Doubts are going to turn into hurdles when you watch what other Christians do with the Bible and you say, I don't want to be anything but that. You're going to get doubts from feeling like some days I can't call this faith because anxiety and being overwhelmed just feels like anything but faith. You're going to feel like you doubt whether God can do for you what your coping mechanism can do with you. I don't know if it's a strong drink or hours of television, but we all got something we turn to. And in those moments, it's like, I think that might do better for me than Jesus There will be a long list of hurdles in the form of doubts. We got to get used to moving through them, though. Quit acting like they're walls that stop us and box us in. If I could change the picture, I kind of picture it like this. See, when my my kids were uh, little, two, three, four years old, uh, I as dad love throwing them in the air. Or I just, 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 just love tossing my kids in there. Nowadays, they're teenagers, and all I do is throw up my back if I tried. But back when they were little, like it was like, throw them up a little bit, catch. A little bit more, catch. A little bit more, catch. A little bit, catch, right? Like, I mean, you could, you could launch one of these kids so, so high. And would you believe, uh, my wife, Melissa, she snitched on me to the pediatrician once. She's like, you would not believe what my husband is doing. He keeps throwing my kids in the air. You got to tell him to stop, knock it off. And the doc asks, are they smiling? Yes, they're smiling. Scared at first. Smiling second. Full of doubts at first. Whether this joker who's throwing me in the air is going to catch me. Trust, secondarily. Because he keeps on catching me. I'll tell you, it, it, it took him several reps. Several scary, frightening reps. Like you throw the kid in the air and they kind of like go to starfish mode. Like they're, I don't know why they think that getting my arms and my legs wider are going to help, but they're out like this because gravity's being reversed on them. They don't have a foot on the ground. It feels like you're flying and I'm not made for flight. None of this works. Until dad catches me. Until dad catches me. Until dad catches me. And then you start getting used to the pattern. And friends, that's my picture of us with doubts. It is so, so scary when you feel like you're flying and you're not made for flight. When you can't feel the ground that you're used to. And your laws of gravity are being reversed. But you get enough reps of God catching you. And you find out none of these doubts are going to kill me. And I can keep leaning into trust and keep going. It may take you a bunch of frightening reps, but you'll get there. So Jesus replies to the messengers in Luke 7, Go back to John and report what you have seen and heard. Tell them the reps. Let them see the reps that you're seeing. Let him see it himself. The blind receive sight. Rep 1. The lame are walking. Rep 2. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, rep three. The deaf hear, rep four. The, death are, the dead are raised, rep five. The good news is proclaimed to the four, rep six. How, how many more do you need, John? I can keep going all day. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Not blessed is he who does not have hurdles, Not blessed is he who ignores or pretends or hides the fact that they have hurdles. Blessed is he who does not stumble on those hurdles 
end up with their face on the ground and stop the race altogether. You can have a long list of hurdles behind you, long list of hurdles in front of you. Keep moving over them. These are not walls that need to be knocked over. These are hurdles that can be left upright and you keep moving through them. Let me pray. Jesus, I pray that you take our heart to a spot of faith and trust that believes even before we've sorted through all the doubts. Don't let us get boxed in, walled out. Don't let any of these things called doubts be an obstacle of coming to you, but shift that which takes place in our heart that continues to move forward with some kind of faith. And even though a good hurdle race is run best, not when the hurdle's knocked over, but when it's left standing. Give us an honest place to acknowledge the hurdles of doubts. Give us enough faith to keep moving through them, even they're still standing there. And if you're at a spot where you just really want to make sure you start what you have with Jesus, I'm going to make it as simple as ABCs. First, make a prayer about admitting that something's wrong. If you're a broken person in a broken world, and there's nothing that you or anyone else is going to do to fix it. As message of John the Baptist, repent. Just start with admitting that your direction isn't getting to where you're going. Something's pulling in your heart saying it's time to turn. B, believe. Like, believe that the answer is in Jesus. You might have doubts here, there, and everywhere, but do you at least believe that what the Son of God did for you on the cross counts for your forgiveness, that it fixes the problem, that it erases every wrong? Can you believe that much? And then see, are you going to commit to follow? That despite the hurdles that get lined up in front of you, is there enough commitment in your heart to say, this is still going to be my direction. Wherever this crazy guy named Jesus goes, I'm ready to follow. Admit, believe, commit. A, B, and C. Is for many of us that's that's on our heart right now. And if so, just pray it like this. God, I I'm I'm admitting that I don't like my own direction. I'm believing that your direction is better. And I commit to following your son Jesus wherever he goes. I will not let doubts wall me in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.